What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hey, I'm Alex Segura, author of Poe Dameron Free Fall, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. Hi, I'm holding for General Hugs. A Utini production. Leia has an urgent message for him. Episode 77, Poe Dameron Freefall Roundtable Part 2. About his mother. On this episode, birthday shoutouts, a fantasy football update, and the Utini team talks about the Star Wars novel Poe Dameron Freefall by Alex Segura. Permission to jump in the next wing and blow something up? And now, here are your hosts, Eric Eilerson, Meg Dow, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello and welcome to The Living Force, everyone. We are here in a very unorthodox little episode this week. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me is nobody with a doctorate. For the first time in maybe the history of the show, I'm not sure, but I am joined by Wes Jenkins. Hey, buddy. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, just just loving the life, loving the cooler Monday evening weather in old Chicago myself. And we are also joined by Meg Dowell. What's up, Meg? What is up? Hello. That's right, Meg. You were so amazing on Lightspeed Skipping recently. We decided to fire both Corey and Charles and just bring you on. So I'm glad this has worked out. Yeah, I, I don't know if you could call it a promotion, but like, I'll take it, whatever. Yeah, of course. Well, double what you were getting paid earlier. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh. Well, and if you are new to this show, hi to all of you listening. We are usually live on Monday nights, but because of some things we're going to talk about a little later in the show, we were unable to do that this week. But... We are the Living Force. We are the podcast of utini.com, where you can head for all your Star Wars reading needs, including reviews, book collections, ultimate guides, timelines, new releases, all that good stuff. And most weeks, you can find us live on Twitch every Monday night at at utini underscore US. But this week, guys, it's just us. Just doing audio. That's awesome, right? What's wrong with that? Yeah! (laughs) This is great! Um... But a little bit of uh, why we're going uh, audio this week. Uh, we will be talking later on in the show about Poe Dameron Freefall, doing a part two of our roundtable series. But, listeners, I want to be honest with you. I usually lie to you every week, but today I'm going to be honest with you and tell you, uh, Corey, Dr. Corey Helton, our fearless leader, since he started Utini, God, three, four years ago at this point, has not taken a single day away from Slack, away from creating anything um, all the while going to medical school, doing residency and everything. So he's on vacation, just straight up. He is on vacation from Utini for a couple weeks for the first time ever, much deserved. Um, and because of that, his computer runs the show on Monday nights. So, uh, even though Wes is the one that's making sure we all look good in all the screens, Corey's computer is putting out all the info. So because we don't have that, 
we were uh, back to the back to the dark ages. Now we're lighting our computers by candlelight. I just have a <laughs> megaphone in front of me, and I'm yelling to Wes and Meg in their respective areas. But I think we'll be okay. Corey has has situated the funds to get that ISP to bump his upload speed up maximum power, whereas myself. <laughs> is at the very bare minimum, and it would have been a choppy at best show if we had tried to push it live. It, it would have not have been nearly as much fun, and that's, that's what we're about. We're about the fun here, but <laughs> but also, because Corey's been gone, I have been in de facto uh, charge of Utini in the meantime, and there haven't been too many fires. Only 18 people have rioted and quit, <laughs> so I think we're doing okay, guys. What do you, I don't know. It's been a couple days in now. It's weird. I think it's been all right. All hail our, our powerful leader, Eric There Iverson. you go. Good. <laughs> Excellent. You're reading the copy I gave you. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> a couple announcements before we get into Poe Dameron this week, though. Um, one thing I want to talk about is something a little bit on the personal side that has kind of expanded in the last 24 hours, and that is a GoFundMe that I was uh, fortunate enough to be a part of uh, to help out the trans community. That is called uh, trans lives are human lives or trans rights are human rights. This is the way. This is a fundraiser put together uh, by Maggie and um, uh, Candace from the Geeky Waffle and myself to basically how do I say this in, in like a non angry way to to help out the trans community at a time when some people in Star Wars are definitely not um, acting respectfully like they should. And there was a lot of things online. Um, around the Mandalorian cast that were really disheartening. So a few of us got together and said, you know what? We just want to support these people that uh, Star Wars is not at the moment. And in the past couple of days, we've made over $6,000 that we're going to donate uh, to the Trans Legal Fund to help people. All kinds of Star Wars people have been donating and sharing. And it's been kind of tremendous. Um, Meg, you were awesome enough to do a write-up on Dork Side of the Forest today about it. Um, this is a crazy event. What do you, what do you what do you how have the last twenty four hours been to you seeing this whole thing explode? I um, you hit your goal within less than two hours. Your original goal of just a thousand, um, yeah. which is amazing enough in itself. And um, you know, a few hours into that, I was like, why am I not talking to them about what they're doing? Um, so <laughs> I did. Um, but as I was writing, as I was um, putting the interview together. I kept checking and I kept having to change the numbers in my article because it just kept going up, which is hilarious and amazing. Um, you guys are turning something awful into something amazing. And I'm not going to talk about it too much because I'm tearing up already because it's just that great. But I'm, you know, this fandom, all of us have the power to do good and to take the awful things that are happening and, you know, put a positive spin on it in an actionable way that actually makes a difference. So it's, you guys are great. All of us are, we can be, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's the ultimate point of it. That has been really amazing to see is, is people really just stepping up and it's, and it's not in anger against something else. It's, it's to put more joy in, which is, which at Utini has always been our thing. Um, as of now, the fundraiser is at $6,840 uh, as a time of recording who knows what it'll be by the time this episode goes out. But if you are interested, if you if you have any means um, at all to help out or even to share, um, it's pinned on my personal Twitter, at Eric Eilerson, in the top post. Um, I'll keep it there for the duration if you want to go check it out. As Baby Yoda, in his little 
bassinet uh, with the trans flag on it, and it is Love it. it's lovely. Yeah. So that was a great graphic. Whoever created that, yeah, it's it's awesome. And there's also uh, uh, Maggie and Candace have been working on artwork uh, to put on a T public of that little baby Yoda too. So uh, again, by the end of the week, who knows what else will have come out of this campaign? But all details are there. Couple other celebration things, y'all. We've had birthdays this week. Birthdays! Birthdays! 2020 has neutralized so many great things. So, gosh darn it, we're going to celebrate a couple of birthdays. Most embarrassingly, Mm -hmm. a couple days ago, one of our own team members (laughs) had a birthday and did not tell us. We are sorry. We are 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 collectively sorry. sorry. We are collectively sorry. (laughs) Uh, Trevor Davey, you may know him as the, the Legends Guru the keeper of the timeline, the, the, the master, truly, of, of all things Star Wars literature. I mean, the man has easily the biggest Star Wars book slash associated media collection I've ever seen. Right? It's overwhelming. I mean, that- it's definitely overwhelming. <laughs> and when anybody asks like a Legends question, he automatically knows and then adds the other books and comics and like newspaper clippings or whatever it was, it was related to. And I'm like, how did, how on earth did you unearth these things about this character? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's not hyperbolic. Literal newspaper clippings are things that Trevor has used. So Trevor, happy birthday. We're so happy to have you on the UTE team. And uh, I look forward to all the new things I will learn and hopefully not forget about things you have learned years and years before. Additionally, we have two very active uh, people in our Discord community that uh, share either a birthday or are very close to the same birthday, and that's Amy and Maggie. Uh, I hope you are, are, are listening, and I hope you all both had great birthdays this week. Uh, I know that the Conja Book Club see you uh, in their chats quite a lot, and I see your names popping up all over the place on various things, uh, from your Star Wars collections to book questions to pictures of Anakin in the fan art tab. Um, all kinds of stuff. So happy birthday. Um, I'm sure that we will be hanging out more digitally this week, but we just wanted to throw that out to you, and we hope you had a great day. Yeah, happy birthday, Amy and Maggie. Yeah. Oh, birthdays, guys. I I, I have a birthday coming up in October, and it is, it is weird to think uh, that that's just going to happen, and nothing's really going to be different, because everyone's like, oh, you going to go out? I'm like, no, it's a pandemic. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm going to stay with my Star Wars friends on the internet, and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> But happy birthday, everyone. Um, and if you have birthdays, you're in Discord community. Let us know. We'll shout you out on the show. We're like a restaurant. You can straight up just lie to us and tell us it's your birthday and get, like, free cake or something, <laughs> which I have never done. Oh, man. I've I've, really, I've done that too many times. <laughs> what? No. Well, it's, it's like I'm six or seven birthdays in a single year. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> well... <laughs> If you're like Wes, just tell us a canteen to talk when your birthday is, and we'll send you a happy birthday on the show. Um, last couple of things before we jump into Poe. A reminder that we are in a nice little recess of Star Wars book releases, where I hope you're all catching up on your Legends content and your canon content. I did just finish Vector Prime yesterday. I started my new Jedi Order journey. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I started Dark Tides immediately afterwards. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how long that one takes me, but... In November, we get a new book. That's right. From a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back is still coming out on November 10th. There have not been delays, and there are pre-order links over on Utini. Check out our new releases link page. 
and uh, order it, and we get like three cents. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> All that's, right. That's funny that you mentioned that you you jumped into that second book right after finishing Vector Prime. Because mm-hmm. after I have the marathon sessions that I have right before these roundtables, <laughs> I automatically start reading another Star Wars book like that evening, and then it just kind of trails off from there. But after I finish one, I immediately start reading another one. Um, so I'm glad what we're kind of right similar now? in the same like. Well, Thrawn, Ascendancy. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, man. <laughs> Probably got to read that one, you know. <laughs> yeah, but by the time Corey gets back, eventually. <laughs> um. But yeah, also, let us know what you all are reading. We want to know. A couple of little podcast updates just to... Oh, no. Ha. No. No. We changed the format. We changed the <laughs> format of the show. Stick around to the end for the podcast updates. And also an update on the first week of the Utini Fantasy Football League. That's right. It happened. Football is back. We have a fantasy league. But you got to wait to the end of the show. And also, if you don't care about football, then you don't have to listen to it right now. All right, my friends. Um, we, that's only 10 minutes of, of, of intro. That's not bad. It's good. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Um, because we're not on video now, we're not going to have a patron of the week, but get ready next time we are live, which will actually be not next week. Again, end of the show. We'll let you know all about that. Um, we will bring back the patron of the week segment. Okay. Now, Poe Dameron Freefall by Alex Segura. Last week, we talked about the plot synopsis. We talked all about Poe Dameron. We rated the book. Meg, could I get your rating 1 to 10 of Poe Dameron Freefall? You may. I, I mean, I wouldn't say no. That would be awkward. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't remember what I gave it when I actually reviewed it, but um, I'm going to say a 7.4. 7.4. Cool. About, yeah. I think yeah. it came in line with everybody, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I think we averaged around 7.5-ish, somewhere around there. Um, so, ladies, gents, everyone, um, I am about to try to take over the Dr. Charles Hankel role that Dr. Corey Helton took over last week in leading roundtable questions. They will not be as smooth as Charles. They will not be as silky sweet as his voice tones, but we're going to do our best. Honorary Dr. Eric Eilerson is what we Yes! Hey, there it have. is. There you go. There it is. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with the, I would argue, co-protagonist of this book, almost, Zori Wynn, or as we know her later, Zori Bliss. Uh, Let's just start out with a blanket question. Um, Meg, I'll throw this to you first. How did you like Zori in this novel? How was her depiction? Loved her. Um, This is, like, as much a Zori book as it is a Poe book. Um, Mm -hmm. We just, uh, you know, we know almost nothing about her from the one story that we've gotten her in so far before this, um, you know, and to see her at this age where she's at this place in her life where she's just confused and overwhelmed and like wanting to do something or be something, but having no idea what that is. Um, you know, it's not only relatable, but it's, uh, you know, it's refreshing. Like we don't always get Mm -hmm. tons of stories in star Wars, um, of characters who are just in, this very chaotic time in their lives. So um, to have her just like, uh, you know, struggling with her identity and like, you know, seeming like she's running from something or trying to prove something, even though we don't necessarily know what that is until later. Um, you know, it was really fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a quote here that, that Charles wrote down that I really love. It's early on in the book and really tells us all we need to know about Zori from the get go. Isn't that first firefight? Uh, it says, 
Poe fought the urge to run to her and provide some kind of cover. Zori Wynn was more than capable. She could handle herself. So we know from the top, this is not a damsel in distress situation. Again, giving us those Han, Kira, Most Wanted vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like what you said about that sense of purpose, Meg, because we find out Zori is the daughter of Ziva Bliss, uh, who's the leader of the Spice Runners of Kajimi, right? We have a- another legacy story. We talk so much about legacy in Star Wars. Wes, do you think this is a moment where we didn't necessarily need her to be related to, to Ziva, or do you like the fact that it kind of continues this legacy story? I actually like this part in the book um, and why, they, why uh, Segura had put it in there. Um, it's more like a, a, a development to where it disguises her name and uh, mm-hmm. it, like, it keeps her away from being identified by other criminals. And you didn't really know it at the beginning because when you started reading the book, you were like, so are you when? I remember the movie, her name was Zori Bliss. This is odd. Mm-hmm. So right. even before that, I was thinking when they were describing her, I was like, is this, is Zori Bliss, the one in the moon, uh, the rise of Skywalker, is that even, uh, is that even Zori Bliss? Is that even her? It could it be somebody mm-hmm. else. And then Zori Bliss turns up later in the book. And we just been reading about somebody that is an off character. Um, <laughs> and I, but obviously it wasn't. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was very fitting because she's trying to basically carve out something on her own. And a way to do that is to go on these missions without help from her mother. Um, and disguising her name is, I mean, she could disguise her name, but I'm not sure if anybody knows what her appearance, like what she, what she actually looks like. They have like a picture of her or something, but they don't, they didn't go too far into that, but disguising your name. I mean, that's the first step. So. Yeah, and I, I always find it interesting in Star Wars, you know, we're like, really? Like, no one knows who this person is? And then we realize it is a galactic story. I mean, we're talking about billions upon trillions of sentient beings. So yeah. it, it's probably a lot easier to disappear than we think. And, and I did like that about Zori, you know, acknowledging that her purpose or her destiny, if you will, is to become the leader of the Spice Runners, right? Like, she she's not trying to run away from that necessarily, She's like, yes, my mother does run this thing. Yes, I will also run it someday, but I want to achieve merit on my own. And I thought that was interesting and unique because a lot of the people that we see are either running away from their parents' legacy, like Ben Solo, literally like, I'm going to change my name completely, Mm -hmm. but I'm also going to change my path so that I am not like my father. I am not like my mother. I am my own person. Or we have the people that are constantly trying to live up to who they were, like Luke, before he knows that Anakin is Vader, is trying to live up to his dead father this amazing pilot this amazing like friend of obi-wan and all these things and i think zori's a nice marriage of the two because she's like yeah i i'm gonna be in my mom's footsteps but people in this crew and this gang need to respect me for me and i find that to be uh to be interesting right. and, I, and i think it'd be cool to like you know we get inside some of the spice runners heads about who knows what and but it would be interesting to take a straw poll like is it like Matt the Radar Technician where everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's Zori Bliss. Like, I know. <laughs> like, we, we, we all know. This is not, <laughs> this is not a secret. <laughs> but uh, but, but that is also, right? What a good sketch. Matt the Radar Technician is just a, on one of the best damn Star Wars characters of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gonna get that Funko one day, I swear. Um, but wh- what do you guys think? Um, Meg, Meg, I want to ask you this because now – we have ideas about about the legacy, about, you know, her idea about taking after her mother and yet being her own person. But do you think that Zori wants to be a spice runner for 
other reasons? Like, do you think that she's ever thought about not being a Spice Runner? Uh, I think at this point, um, the Spice Runners are probably all she knows. Um, you know, mm-hmm. when your mom is running it and you if you grew up in that environment and that's it for you. Um, you know, to her, it could be like, okay, this is, I, I am familiar with this and how this works. I want to start there. And if I want to do something, you know, with my life, I want to change this. So maybe I want to do what's familiar and like be in this place that I know, but I don't want to do it the way that it's always been done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Like being like, you know, I'm not going to dismantle this whole place, but it could be better. Yeah. And she's not going to speak out against her mother. Cause yeah, I, I respect her and I want to be respected as a leader. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, Wes, do you, do you think that we, we hear a lot about the helmet, right? Zori, I mean, Zori's design, from the start of the of the Rise of Skywalker press photos, like that helmet was just striking. We're like, this is a, this this is amazing. It was eye catching. The Funko looks great. Like it's it's all the cool stuff. And we find out it is her mom's helmet, and then she has it in Rise of Skywalker. So now, do you think that we're meant to believe like she is the leader of the Spice Runners then in Rise of Skywalker? Like, has she been running them? See, that's a good question. So. She has the helmet, so there's the symbol right there. The, the leader of the Spice Runners has this gold helmet. Mm-hmm. Now, she either killed her mother, get this helmet, she, her mom stepped down, retired, or it, the helmet rolled to her like, uh, like Boba Fett when he picked up his dead mother's helmet. His, oh, God, and yeah. His, his head didn't no. fall out, which I don't understand. But... Um, <laughs> That'll be in the 40th edition supercut. Oh, no. uh, But she does say that Babu still works for the group in The Rise of Skywalker. So Mm -hmm. she's still running or she's still part of the group. But what, what, I don't know, what a big question that comes up in my mind is, if she is the leader, then why was she so quick and plotting to leave Kijimi with... Asking Poe to come with her. Oh, right. Good point. That's a great point. Because she had the the captain's medallion or whatever. Yeah. So she had this out. But if she yeah. was if she was a hundred percent in as the Spice Runners leader, I don't think she would have huh. this out. She would have either used that for something else, or it did Poe just all of a sudden spark up this desire for her to to leave Kajimi. I don't know. Well, I think Poe sparked up some kind of desire. <laughs> I don't know if it was leaving Kajimi though. Um, just that look. <laughs> That damn <laughs> that is, look of his. God. We're we're all human. We can't help it. Oscar Isaac smirks. Uh, no, it's a great point, though, that having that medallion as a way off definitely wouldn't be something a strong leader would do, or at least a dedicated leader to your gang, if you will. That's a great right. point. And, and to that note, to kind of round out Zori here, I want to ask you both, actually. Uh, we end with, with Zori saving Poe by literally attacking her mother. Like, she, in that moment... Says, all right, Poe, you, your life is worth my reputation, possibly my own life. Like, there's a lot in that moment. She offers Poe the opportunity to overthrow her, uh, her mother and remake the Spice Runners into what they want. I mean, it's the classic Star Wars, like, join me, we can destroy the Emperor. Like, Padme, join me, we can destroy Pal. It's always Palpatine. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, we can stay in this evil thing, but make it a little less evil, and we'll be really cool. Um, and then Poe literally says no drops the blaster she throws to him and just pieces out, leaving her to fight all on her own. Did this moment, because we don't know if we're going to get more Zori stories anytime soon, did this moment make the Rise of Skywalker intro 
kind of solidify for you? Do you think that this is a good enough reason to to know why she's so pissed? Or do you think we need a little more? I mean, yeah, that would definitely make me super pissed off. <laughs> like, Check. She, yes. She was, she went against her, uh, her entire up, upbringing and goes against her family, against her, her crew, um, just so they can mold this group into something that they had talked about before in past mm-hmm. conversations or in something that's molded um, into what has arose with this fight between her and her mother. Um, but yeah, I mean, so yes, that would, that would make me uber. I mean, I wouldn't have just, just had the gun to his face. I probably just would have pulled the trigger immediately, <laughs> but there it is. <laughs> so yes, uh, that, that definitely warrants her being quite upset. I don't think time kind of heals that wound fast enough because, well, hell, what, what was it? Would it be like 10 years, 12 years? Yeah, I d- I'm trying to remember the. Oh my gosh! Speaking of people, Trevor is screaming. I'm sure into the <laughs> in, at, at the show right now. He's like, I know the timeline. <laughs> um, it's something like that, though. Yeah. Uh, Meg, do you agree? Are you are you uh, are you pulling the trigger with Wes and just blowing Poe's head off? I mean, okay. Poe Dameron is a great character. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. He makes the worst decisions sometimes. He like, does. dude, like, what are you doing? <laughs> These young pilots, I tell you. Come on, guys. Um, so, of course, it makes sense that she just, like, is so upset with him in The Rise of Skywalker because she's had however many years to, like, think every single day about how angry she is at him after he did this to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I definitely I agree. I think, I think it totally makes sense. And I think it's it's a good moment of like, oh, if you come to Kajimi, you're dead. And it makes sense why he's mm-hmm. like, oh, uh, we got to go to Kajimi? Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, well, I did. Like, uh, I, there's this girl. I liked her. And I said I was going to join her and rule. But then I, like, totally backed out at the last second and left her to die with her mom. It was a whole thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, sure we'll be fine. Regardless, yeah, Zori, <laughs> we get you. Uh, the living force is behind you. And we're sorry that happened. <laughs> um, now, there's a lot of other cool original characters in this book, including some of the Spice Runners themselves. But what I want to talk about just briefly is Troon, who is the New Republic Security Bureau officer. Uh, she's basically like the the callus of, of the New Republic, if you will. Nice. And, and it's interesting because she is a New Republic person, so the good guys, theoretically, right? And she is definitely framed as the villain of this story. She is... She's chasing Poe and Zori, who are criminals. Correct. And people die around them as they try to bring drugs places. Like, <laughs> and, and, and yet, I think this is actually a testament to Segura's writing, is that I did feel this whole story that Troon was, like, the villain. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Even though she's just trying to arrest these murderers. So how do you guys feel about that kind of narrative shift of making this person... Ugh, Kind of trying to just do her job like the bad guy. I mean, that's like a test of a very well-written villain, I think, is Mm -hmm. like you don't necessarily like you know that they're on a certain side, but you either sympathize with them when you're not supposed to or um, you don't when you should. Um, Mm -hmm. So with Truen, it's kind of like, okay, we know her backstory, we know why she's doing this. She's doing the right thing, but she's also going against our pr- protagonists. So it's like, but we don't want her to succeed. 
Right. Yeah. And he, Alex didn't write too much about Troon's feelings. It was a lot of um, actionable sequences and mm-hmm. her trying to like track down these track down Poe, track down the spice runners. Um, but it wasn't like she wouldn't, they didn't really give a lot of reasoning as to why outside of the spice runners killing her entire family in that one, um, in that one couple of paragraphs, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> so we didn't get to, to know Troon. Like we got to know Poe, got to know Zori. So yeah, they, he did some, some pretty good writing there. Yeah, it, it honestly reminded me a little bit of the villain in Resistance Reborn, like that bureau, bureaucratic Corellian guy. Mm. Uh, I forget his mm. name. Like he was much, much more evil, I would say, than True. Yeah. Like he got pretty sadistic by the end. <laughs> um, no spoilers if you haven't read Resistance Reborn, but uh, it gets pretty, pretty dark. Yeah. But I, but I always like the the bureaucratic person that is seems to be a little too stuck in their ways so they kind of push it push it push it like she literally plants false info on Tommaso in this book uh, going back to Troon and tells the Spice Runners oh he's a traitor and he wasn't she just feeds this gang false information so they kill a person she wants vengeance on so I, th- I definitely think that the more more the, the morally gray area is a little darker than it is um later That's with Troon uh, but I did like her again I think most of the I would I would say we all agree most of the book's enjoyment does fall on the character moments between Poe and Zori, um, between their adventures rather than kind of Troon's machinations. But I like I like her being there as an outside force to kind of you know keep things going. Um, one of the character just a, a small little shout out here again we have Viggulch we have all these other guys. One person we haven't talked about at all is Evie. That's right, we get another droid. Uh, the canon droids continue their reign of just greatness. I mean. I, we've had so many good droids from obviously BB-8 starting the charge of great uh, sequel era droids, but then we have we have Pook from Black Spire um, was a very memorable one. How did you guys, uh, Wes? I'll start with you. How did Evie the droid to you stack up uh, to the other great droid additions? Do you think that they they kind of matched it? Do you think they were better? I think I it was. I think that was Evie was similar in in the droids being a kind of a com- comedic relief. Uh, for, like, for the action sequences, for the for the main sequence, like when they're um, trying to take over on the Marazian cruiser, or when they're at the summit on Kijimi. So he was a good. Uh, Evie was a good, I guess, pairing with Poe because so literal. Evie was so literal with everything yeah. he was saying, and then Poe yeah. would Poe would would play off of those literal those literal um, lines that they kept conjecturing or whatever, but. I thought it was a. Uh, I don't think it would stacks up with some of the some of the droids we've seen in the movies or even with Pook, but um, again, like I, the the droids that that they have in the in the movies are good comedic relief, and I think Evie is similar to that. Yeah, Meg, thoughts? Is it still below the Pooks and BBs of the world? Uh a little bit below, I think. Um, but I still really, I still really enjoyed her in that comic relief and i love Mm -hmm. how um it was established that poe you know didn't really like droids that much he's kind of like eh, nah i'm Mm -hmm. good um but we know that that's later not true because he has bb8 who is like Uh, a puppy all-star puppy Um, he rubs his belly he rubs his belly exactly so we know that like something you know is going to change later so i like that it's like oh character development but you know so yeah yeah and I think that's one of the cool things, too, about writing prequel stories, right? I mean, 
I, I feel like in Star Wars, we are uniquely suited to prequel stories as we've gotten the prequels were such a huge part of it. And we, we don't necessarily mind knowing what's going to happen later on with the character's mm-hmm. life as long as we can see the moments. And I do like Segura's way of putting things in, like oh, like we talked about last episode, like the light speed skipping explanation and like the droid relationship evolution, like that that kind of stuff. I think it's really fun in Star Wars maybe more than any other medium because we want to see why characters go to certain places. And having posts start, like like you said, Meg, uh, I don't know if I care for this droid to really being like emotional when, when bad things happen mm-hmm. to that droid. I think it is really nice. And I mean, if you don't feel anything when bad things happen to droids, then you might be one yourself, frankly. I would, I would check this up for wires. Like, we all know the saddest part of Rogue One. All right, I mean, oh, that's terrible. Speak. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll agree. Evie uh, doesn't quite get to the levels of Pook um, and BB-8 and others, but is still a very fantastic droid. I cannot wait to see what kind of droids we get in the High Republic. I will tell you what. Um, and actually, one thing I want to add before we get to our overarching questions now uh, is something that I heard on the Timothy Zahn uh, sit-down interview that was put on uh, by Powell Books over in Portland. They did a Zoom reading uh, with Timothy Zahn and Tom from Del Rey, and they mentioned there are no droids in the Chiss Ascendancy. Hmm. So, fun fact, if you're reading that book, Wes, I know you're in it right now. Hmm. If some of you have read it already, I didn't notice it as I was going. Not a single droid. So, huh. yeah, just I heads up. I haven't uh, stumbled upon one. Yeah. A lot of people. And you shan't. You shan't, my friend. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now our overarching questions. Again, these were written by Dr. Charles Henkel, who um, he, he did not like this book as much as the three of us. I'll tell you that. I think I, I messaged him for his rating. I think he gave it like a 6.5. So some of that rating is in the wording of these questions. So I, <laughs> I will read some of them verbatim, and I will take creative license with others. Uh, because you ain't here, Charles. Show up for work. We just like to point uh, out that there's <laughs> in Charles in Charles's case there's a lot of question marks on some of these words and some WTFs and um, <laughs> so he had some he had some questions about the book um, so we're going to try to answer them for him. <laughs> yeah. So so we'll go here's our here's our first Charles this is all for you buddy. We got you. <laughs> so our first question here uh, Poe is talking to Ziva Bliss and he says you have no code of honor. The spice runners are a fraud. Bliss let out a long cackle and took another swing at Poe. And Charles says, dot, dot, dot. Okay, so what was their cause supposed to be? Still never explained. <laughs> so, um, and this can, this can actually tie into the second question, which has Zori talking to Poe, and she says, what keeps you with us? Do you really believe in what the Spice Runners are about? To which Charles says, uh, what are they about? Double question mark. Just making money and gaining power. <laughs> so we know what Charles thinks about this. Um, uh, um, uh, Meg, I'll throw it to you first. What do you think? Because, I mean, he is right. It's, it's never quite spelled out in, in such specific terms. Like, they're not, they don't say, well, we're actually about ending slavery in the galaxy. And that's what we use our money for, anything like that. If someone asked you, like me, for example, what would you say the Spice Runners of Kajimi are about and... Why would Poe think they're a fraud? Uh, my theory, or the way that I see it, I guess, is, you know, the galaxy is a um, in a weird place right now, in whatever point in the timeline we're on. Who knows? Um, 
And I mean, it's established that I think it's even said that like the new Republic can't reach everywhere. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff going on that uh, can't necessarily be controlled. So it could be that uh, they want that kind of sense of control and they want to do that mm. through gaining power somehow and having these established, uh, you know, systems. So when there is an order, um, you sometimes try to create it and maybe you don't do that the right way. But. Hmm. Yeah, that could be cool because th there is that idea that in this post Return of the Jedi world, like the, the Hut cartel has been kind of hit real hard by Jabba's death and some of the bigger, um, I think some of the bigger gangs like Black Sun and stuff like they're, they're kind of dwindling a bit because of the New Republic's influence. Mm -hmm. So maybe the Spice Runners are trying to make something better. Wes, what do you think? Yeah, I think right along those lines, I think they're trying to build a crime syndicate where they are the leaders in in running spice or smuggling and they own these trade routes and they own these hyperspace lanes they're they were trying to go after um they're trying to go after those routes <clears throat> so i think they were trying to when they were at the summit trying to kill every or ziva trying to eliminate yeah. all our competitors i think mm -hmm. that that plants a flag as saying we're going to be the number one smuggling operation. And then once we take over that part, we are going to expand. And so much like what the, um, when the new Republic can't like what Meg said, the new Republic can't hold, um, I guess governmental power or some kind of stronghold mm. over everything in the galaxy. So they can, I guess they can, stake out those different parts in the outer rim and then just start building up from there. But I think they had, they had an idea of being something more powerful than they already are, but I don't know that they, they had an idea of where it would go after that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does no. seem like, you know, I, I honestly think that when Poe gets involved with the spice runners, I think he really views it kind of like how we as star Wars fans view smugglers now that are like, well, yeah, they're, but they're all doing illegal things and they're doing crime, but they are at core. They're all like Han Solo and Lando. Like, they actually all may have a heart of gold and they're not like murderers. Like, they're getting shootouts, but, you know, they, they are pitched as like this life of dangerous adventure. I mean, that, that that's adventure stories since they started being written, right? It's mm -hmm. the outlaw that is up against the tyranny of government, but they're actually always working for better people. And I think Poe realizes, oh, I thought this was going to be a place where, you know, everyone was just working for freedom and didn't want the tyranny of, you know, their dads telling them when to go to bed. But actually, <laughs> this is a murderous kind of organization. And I think that that Ziva's idea of, you know, hitting all the other syndicates when they're weak, honestly, is, is, is a pretty good plan as far as crime goes. I mean, saying there's no real solid leadership. I'm going to bring everyone here so we can technically form a democracy of smugglers. Oh, psych. I'm actually going to kill you all so there's a dictatorship and it's me, <laughs> I think is a, is a great point because I think that ultimately, in Ziva's mind, the Spice Runners of Kijimi are about power and conquest. And in Zori's mind, I think they're probably about, you know, stability and loyalty. Mm -hmm. And in Poe's mind, it's like about adventure. So they're, they're all seem to be on a different page. And by the end of the book, it seems like Poe is is worried that Zori is leaning more towards her mom now about being like, what, you know, what are you willing to give up for your humanity in order mm. to keep this quote unquote family alive? So 
It, it, it is interesting, and I agree. I think that them leaving it uh, murky like that can be possibly be frustrating, but I, uh, but to me, I, I like the possibilities that it opens up. I think a, Another, good, a good quote to kind of piggyback off of that is when mm-hmm. um, Poe kind of figured out that 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 the Spice Runners were a sham, um, and as his mother had given him a quote when he was young and said, "You should always make your own choices. We will never take that away from you." but we will teach you enough so that you know how to choose the right path when the time comes. Mm. So the time came when Zori was like, join me, join me in this, in this criminal underworld. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take it back to the house. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. So sorry. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta no. go to school. Be a pilot. Be better pilot. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, bliss. Am I right? Um, I'm not. Another it. thing, uh, <laughs> another one of Charles's lovely comments here, and we do miss you, buddy. Um, he says, it bothers me how incompetent some of the characters in this book are. <laughs> something we've talked a lot about on The Living Force and Eugene, is, is how much we do love competent protagonists. Like, there is something really fun about a story where everyone is at least baseline good at their job. Uh, but then Charles goes on and says, Poe bringing a crate full of guns to the prisoners and claiming their rations. A ditch around the arena, somehow keeping every single Spice Runner from helping Ziva, but Poe immediately finds a spot he can jump over. Did you guys find that these were, like, a little bit narratively convenient? Or did it uh, not jump out at you until Charles, the doctor, um, brought it up here in this question? I can uh, probably speak for everybody when, when uh, yes, when we first started reading this, we were like, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> the, yes, the the guards may have believed Poe in saying that these actually were rations. So most guards without names, they're generally supposed to portray like being incompetent. And they can't, but it's a stretch, especially um, in Star Wars. Oh my yeah. god! All right, I'll distract the guards. Is is just a constant plan, and anyone can do it. <laughs> like it's so easy. But you can't. Yeah, you can't tell me. That there wasn't one crack shot that could shoot over the ditch at Troon. That's part <laughs> of Ziva's gang. Not one person had a sniper rifle like Aura Singh that was sitting on, I don't know, in the corner up on top of a on top of a mesa, if you will, and uh, <laughs> and, sh- and shoot at Troon. But eh. the ditch that... must have been huge. It must be the biggest damn ditch you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you think you've seen some ditches? You haven't. <laughs> You do not know the length of this ditch, it, 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 and it is so it is so big, it mentally throws you off. You're like, what is that? I can't, and then you just forget everything. Uh, it has its own atmosphere. <laughs> it bends bolts. Uh, Meg, do you think this was also a, just a ridiculously impressive ditch? It didn't bother me at all. Really? I don't know. No, I didn't know. I didn't notice. I don't know. I mean, I've read this book three times. <laughs> um, I mean, you are the expert literally about it then no i mean okay also, for the record it also didn't bother me i'm playing it up a little <laughs> I, I i did not notice it for the record that's why i, I phrased it until charles pointed it out uh i mean sometimes you just gotta let it go <laughs> yeah sometimes it's scar and mufasa for or scar and simba fighting and there's fire all around and simba can jump through the fire and no one else can and because <laughs> it's definitely a story i get it so i wasn't speaking story for everybody bliss. Oh, you were. You were. No, you own it. <laughs> Absolutely. You own it. Um, but yeah, I, I did find that, that uh, you know, the heroes are better at things, and that's why they're heroes. But it was, yeah, the, the the last fight I thought was really 
interesting because it was kind of just staged on like a, a Star Wars fight we've seen in a while with like a bunch of different places in the same plane. Like there was the 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 Ziva Zori Po fighting space. There was the Troon ship that landed, but also there was the, the all the people couldn't get to the fighting space. And there's prisoners and guards, and there like there was a lot going on in the chaos of it. So that was a little a little interesting how he set that up. Uh, another basic question: Why is Lightspeed skipping? Called hyperspace skipping every time in this book. I don't know. Interchangeable terms? Synonyms, <laughs> you say. One might say synonyms. I would actually ask the better question. Why in The Rise of Skywalker, when Poe goes to light speed, does he pull the lever down and Han Solo in every movie pushes the lever up? <laughs> oh, I think I've that... never noticed that. <laughs> no. So I'm sorry it's for gonna all of you who the Rise of <laughs> Like, very prominently at the end of Solo, Han and Chewie take them and push them up, uh-huh. and then Poe pulls it down every time he lightspeed skips. Maybe you can't lightspeed skip unless you pull it down. Ooh! But- <laughs> okay, you fixed That's it. That's right, fine. <laughs> so we pull it down, your lightspeed skipping. When you have coordinates, you push it up. All right, we figured it out. Done. Guys, if we were in the story group, we would know this. Oh, man. That's Duh. Gonna- that's going to infuriate me now every time I watch that movie. <laughs> Sorry. That's what we do here, folks. We we get you to love the books a little more, and then we'll just throw in one thing that'll just drive you insane. (laughs) Um, Moving on, a couple more overarching questions we have before we are going to get into Charles's heralded Easter eggs uh, that always blows me away how he can find so many things in these books. Um, We see the Zwell Jin track Poe and the Ragged Claw through hyperspace in this novel. Um, wasn't that supposed to be brand new tech in The Last Jedi that Hux had developed? How do we explain the hyperspace tracking? Any ideas? So, yes. I had just watched um, Rogue One probably a couple weeks ago. Oh, um, oh so good. So, yeah, Jin, when Jin and... Um, oh, what am I blanking on his name? Come Cassian. On. Yeah, when Jin and Cassian are looking for the uh, for the... Death Star plans, and they're trying to figure out which one are the actual plans. She goes through um, certain secret names, and the one right before Stardust is um, is hyperspace skipping or something like that. Yep. So or the, hyperspace tracking. Hyperspace yep. tracking. So that was one of the plans that were on Scarif. So that was you know right before episode before four. This. So they were yeah. they had it developed, I think, before. Um, Maybe not developed fully, but they were working on it, researching it, creating it all throughout the original trilogy, I think. Yeah. And, and I do feel there's like, um, there's parts in, in Star Wars that are like, uh, like hyperspace tracking, I feel, has been somewhat of a thing. Not like immediate, like it would take a while. I feel like there's like, you, like you can track the vectors that people may have taken, things like that. So there, there are ways around it. I ain't going to chalk this up to Charles, not liking the book and finding a thing <laughs> to get bothered about. Again, I love you, man. I miss you. But I'm running the ship now, and that's a stretch. Um, <laughs> finally, though, this, this, is a, this, this is a really good one that I I really liked. If you know anything about us at Utini, particularly Meg and myself, we are suckers for epilogues in canon novels. Um, some of our favorites... Uh, bringing characters like Jin Erso and Enfys Nest together, uh, Sabe and our Lord and Savior Bill Organa together. It is it is it is great times to do little things that make us full of joy. I um, mean, at the end of this particular book, um, 
Poe sees a hollow at the end of Leia giving a speech and decides he's going to find her and he's going to join the resistance. So how did you all feel? Meg, I'm going to start with you. How did it feel linking this story back to Leia? I mean, why, why is Poe's character so linked to her? I mean, especially in, I would say, The Last Jedi more than anything, we really see the two of them as a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? They both... Um, I was just very passionate about doing something, about changing something, about not just letting awful things continue to happen. And they both get that from their parents, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, and I think they see that in each other. They might not always know the right thing to do always about that. Um, but, and they kind of feed off each other too with that. Uh, and Leia kind of becomes his mentor in that. And she's like, okay, you want to go fly off and, you know, do all these things, but you have to think, you know? So mm-hmm. they have that in common. I think that's really important for Poe to have that kind of person in his life. Yeah, it is interesting because it feels like the whole book and his whole life, Kestam, like his dad is trying to get him to think and trying to get him to calm down. And the person that finally is able to do it is Leia. I do, I do like that. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, Wes, what do you think? What do you think about ending this book with Leia being the reason that Poe is so inspired? And I totally agree with what Meg said. Um, but I think this particular scene felt a little too rushed to me. Like I think sure. I think that that Leia would have planted the seed, kind of uh, for him to be working for the greater good. I think he would have like came to his senses after coming home, um, mm. and seeing that either he doesn't know if his dad has has survived or not. So he could have he could have died, and then maybe Lula had had um, had tried to give him that boost to join the the New Republic. Um, but I think Leia like has both uh, Kess and Shara's characteristics, so. So that makes her the mentor, like uh, like Meg had said. Um, mm-hmm. I think that she kind of has the reserve and the intelligence not to rush into things without weighing the consequences, but she also has that creativity and the wherewithal to to know when to take a risk over being safe, when to really yeah. when you have to fight for that one thing that'll turn the tides of a battle. Yeah, Leia is kind of like the epitome of what Poe thinks he is sometimes, like. She he, she is the risk taker and the politician in equal spades. Like she knows when to stop, she knows when to pause, and she knows when to go all fire. And I think Poe learning from her from from the start of his resistance training, quote unquote, I guess at the end of this book, all the way through uh, losing her, I think is mm-hmm. a really is a really nice narrative that bonds them. And again, with with Shara dying, I think that it he she is the mother that he you know lost too soon. And I think she is kind of that relationship. And I, I do like them meeting. I, I will agree, Wes. I think the, the scene itself might have been a little rushed. Um, but I, I do like what it stands for, and it is interesting. Yeah. All right. Now, we have a bunch of Easter eggs, everyone. <laughs> I am going to uh, go through these. These are always some of my favorite things. So I have not read through these myself yet, so I'm going to discover them along with you. And here are some Easter eggs that Charles found at, while he was reading Poe Dameron Freefall. Uh, chapter two, we get a Han Solo mention. Always lovely. Uh, chapter four ends with a classic Star Wars line. What have I done? <laughs> uh, Fontis, the bartender at the cantina on Yavin 4 where Poe hangs out, claims to have a second sight for seeing troublesome people in his bar before they do anything wrong. It's not quite as cool as the Chiss second sight, but I'll take it. 
Uh, Fontis serves Poe something called Jawa Juice, if you remember that from good old Dex's. Uh, Poe says, take me to the ship and we'll be out of here faster than the Millennium Falcon, which means the legend of that ship is well intact. Um, did the Spice Runners of Kajimi ever actually run Spice? Not in this book, Charles, but they do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Poe and the Spice Runners go to the planet Sorgan. Uh, the same planet where the Mandalorian takes the child and they help the villagers fight the ATST. Fitting that a crew involving Vigulch would go there since he is a Klaatuinian, which is the same species of the raiders who terrorized that village. Oh, wow. So awesome little Mandalorian oh, wow. tie-in there. Can't wait for season two. We have a mention of Fearnox. Uh, for a big discussion on Fearnox, check out The Ghost Crew by me and Charlie. Zori says, this isn't the space circus, Poe. So... Is there a space circus? <laughs> Though it might not be intentional, this may be a callback to the actual space circus and Brian Daly's at Star's End from the Han Solo Adventures. Wow. Uh, we got Obadiah is mentioned, Homeworld of the Pikes. Fun fact, Tommaso is the name of an Italian restaurant on the island resort Charles used to work at over the summers. <laughs> so he was thrown from the moment he met him. <laughs> Charles pictured Chef Boyardee as Poe's mentor. <laughs> Man, he's, he's not—he's not even letting up in the Easter eggs. <laughs> oh my god, amazing, amazing! Uh, Poe about the ragged claw says, "If we don't have the tracker settled, I think we can get a few more jumps out of this bucket of." And she—he re- referenced to Leia's insult about the Falcon. This bucket of bolts, so bucket of something. While Lightspeed's skipping, Poe almost jumps directly into the gaping mouth of a creature called a Garsath along the Devesra Way. Might this be the same creature this happens with in The Rise of Skywalker? Which would imply that Poe is using the same coordinates to lose the First Order ties. I totally mm-hmm. think so. Mm-hmm. Um, last episode, we talked a little bit about Lightspeed skipping. Like, he always has these coordinates in mind. I think that's totally the same beast. Mm. Um, we got a mention of Pergils. Speaking of Star Wars Rebels. Mm. Um, Dak pirate droids are mentioned. These droids are actually from the old Legacy comics when they were first used to disable electronic operating systems aboard starships. This is their first canon mention. Uh, Poe to EV6B6 says, Listen, EV buddy, it's been nice meeting you, but we're not joining a cult together just yet. Yeah, who do we think we are? Chastnachatic? <laughs> nice, Charles. Uh, Leedsmar, or Lettismar, the Zabrak gangster who Poe kills, uses a traditional Zabrak weapon called a Zaboka. The weapon is basically a staff with a blade on either end that originated in KOTOR 2. It also made its way into Legends written material, including Darth Plagueis. This is its first canon appearance. Again, loving, loving every time we bring in canon, Legends tech into canon. Uh, similarly, a Laertza is mentioned, which is a traditional Twi'lek weapon. It was first seen in the X-Wing Rogue Squadron comic series when Wedge Antilles actually wielded one, again, this is its first canon appearance. This is the first time you've read through these, Eric? Yes. You are pronouncing these words incredibly well. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's, 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 all, it's all the confidence. Um, uh, we have a quote that says, So trusting, you'd follow a droid into the mouth of a Nexu. A Nexu reference! Attack of the Clones, our favorite beastie. Uh, Chakroot is mentioned, first seen in the Legends novel Han Solo's Revenge. This is a plant that can be made into snuff or liquor, a favorite of smugglers. A lot of Brian Daly Han Solo references here. Uh, we learn more about the Guavian Death Gang. 
They apparently use cybernetic enhancements and constantly pump chemicals into their blood to amplify their abilities. They communicate via high-frequency comlinks so you don't hear them. They were too bad to even be considered part of the bad guys. I think they're just like hackers on meth. That's I what I get. Super cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they're cyberpunk as hell. Uh, Zori uses a blast door to cut off a Guavian gang member's leg. Is this the new thing? Mando, Maul and Clone Wars, and this. <laughs> Watch out for the doors. Zori says, any smuggler worth his weight in Merkinite has some kind of goods on them. Merkinite is one of the valuable minerals harvested from the lava of Mustafar. Uh, Soten's ship is a Corellian G9 rigger, first seen in the Clone Wars movie when Anakin and Ahsoka commandeer one. The slaves on Soten's ship are all kinds of great species. We got humans, we got Kubaz, like the long snout from A New Hope. We got Yakora, or Yak Face. A Dresselian, prune face, <laughs> a Krolut, like Unkar Plutt, and Duros, the greatest alien species of all time. At one point, Poe flies into the Torch Nebula, a space anomaly first mentioned in Galaxy Guide 9, Fragments from the Rim, a 1993 source book from West End Games' Star Wars role-playing game. Holy crap. Wow. I just want to believe Charles knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, we also get a mention of the Valachord, the instrument that Beckett swore he would learn to play after retiring from a smuggling life in Solo, a Star Wars story. We get a mention of Lurkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to the Kajimi Summit, <laughs> a.k.a. the Star Wars Red Wedding. Very nice, Charles. <laughs> uh, and there are some very familiar faces. We get Boshek, the Corellian smuggler. He's actually from the Cantina and A New Hope. He's the one who introduced old Ben to Chewbacca. Hmm. We get Wone Barso, the guy dressed like an American astronaut from the 60s in the background of Rogue One. (laughs) We get Astrid Fenris, one of the smugglers in the background of Solo, a Star Wars story in the Lodge where Han finds Lando. A guest named Vranki is mentioned, but not described. Likely, this is Vranki the Blue, a hut first introduced in Star Wars Resistance. A Rodian named Sivian Bane is mentioned. Interesting. There was a Rodian real smuggler in Star Wars Galaxies named Sivius Bane. Any relation? Uh, Terran Crow, the pirate next to Bane, is also from Star Wars Galaxies. Also of note, there's a human at the meeting named Karen. No cool background on her. I just think it's hilarious that the human is named Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last couple. Zori says to Poe about killing the Spice Runners competition. You either help us or you're against us. You heard it here first, folks. Zori Bliss is a Sith, because that's an absolute. <laughs> uh, Ziva trying to execute her foes in an arena, and an arena with stands full of her followers feels a lot like Palpatine in The Rise of Skywalker. Definitely does. Uh, we get a Chagrian Spice Runner. Masameda species. We really don't get those very often. And finally... Uh, one of the biggest cameos in this whole book, Zaid Calliday and his ship, the Midnight Blade, as seen in Black Spire, are how Poe escapes Kajimi. Love seeing Zaid again. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, all right. I did not catch that reference at when I first read it. I was like, that name kind of tips the meter. It it's kind of sounds familiar, but I'm just going to go ahead and keep reading. And then I was like, wait a second. And I Wait pulled the book off the shelf, day. and I was like, it's that guy! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I love how they all tie in. All right. Well, that 
is the last of the Easter eggs. Now, folks, as we always do at this time, we're going to go around. We're going to re-rate the book, see if our, our conversation changed our opinions anymore. We were all in the mid, uh, mid-ish sevens. Uh, Meg, you most recently rated a 7-4. Did this last hour of chat change that at all for you? Uh, I mean, I'll bump it up to a 7.5. Oh, big spender! <laughs> That's right, a whole point one. Totally worth the hour. Wes, how about you, buddy? I think I'm going to hang around my 7.8, maybe 7.7, 7.8 uh, from, from the first time that I rated the book. doesn't really make me want to reread it again, but I'm glad I got the backstory of why he was a smuggler. So that sounds... Sure. Um, I'm going to build up to a, to a straight 8. Uh, 8, 8.1. I, 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 talking about it, I really do like that we get more Zorian Poe. And and the book really did have a nice pace for me. So I again I I'm not a huge rereader as I've said a bunch of times. So I'm not gonna hit this one up again anytime soon. But the next time Alex Segura's name comes up for a Star Wars project, I will I will I will definitely get that little jolt of joy uh, seeing him back. I'm very excited about him. I did like the right. uh, the Babu Frick dialogue though. That was fun yeah, reading. Oh my gosh, his. we didn't talk about Babu. <laughs> oh. Charles, what the hell? Oh. Um, yeah, all Babu is good. Babu. Get all of it. I need all of all of the Babu and all the stories. I want Babu and Maz Kanata to have a comic series together. Because we were all uh, reading it in his voice whenever it came when we were oh, going yeah. through those pages. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Fun fact, if you don't know, Babu Frick was voiced and puppeted by the same actress who did Moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter movies. So there's your little fun fact of the day. <laughs> uh, all right. So now because of the format change, we're going to end the episode with a little Utini news. A couple reminders for y'all. Utini Game Night is still going very strong. Wes, what can people look forward to on Utini Game Night? Remember, this is going out Thursday, Friday. So if we have one this Wednesday, they will not be able to get that. That's terrible, but it's also great because Game Night is going to be Friday night. Hey! Um, (laughs) Look at that setup. If you're a Utini patron, uh, tune in tomorrow night to see me play either... Star Wars Battlefront 2, the original, or there's a whole laundry list on Steam that I might buy. They're all like five or six bucks or something. Um, so it could be a, uh, a mystery game. Not, not too sure. But if you're listening to us on Friday, join me tonight. I'll be playing a Star Wars game. So <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and hey, depending, uh, if you go onto Twitch and you buy some bits, if you buy enough bits, you can tell Wes to switch games. It's true. what if you pay enough money we'll do whatever you want i'll I'll even that's how it works that's right i'll even i don't know wear a hat just (gasps) i do i do whatever you'd like for uh for bits and not just one bit like i do to to our fellow uh (laughs) legends look back and staffers where i just provide one cent and i see the summary after the stream and it says you've collected one cent during this stream so whatever (laughs) Um, well, hey, what what a what a segue there, though, because Legends Look Back is still live as well. Yay! Um, and if you're a patron, that's tonight. <laughs> uh, Legends Look Back will be coming at you again every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. Uh, Jared and Freddie, and possibly a surprise guests now and then. Uh, Meg and I have both been on that show a couple times. Patrick was on it recently talking about Revan. They are are finding their stride as Freddie tries to escape the wildfires ravaging his home. On Saturdays, 
There's no good way out of that. Uh, on Saturdays in the Discord uh, voice channels, we still have the Kanja Book Club. That's Patrick and Adam and Timothy going through a few chapters at a time. Right now, they're doing Bloodline by Claudia Gray. If you are a patron on our Patreon feed, the audio podcast is being released there. It's your traditional book club. You read a couple chapters, they talk about it. You can comment on it uh, in Discord every Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for, the Utini Fantasy Football Update! <laughs> That's right, everyone. Uh, this year we started a fantasy football league with a bunch of Utini folks for the first time. And every week, I'm just going to tell you uh, basically who had the best week. Uh, as we do these Monday night, there is Monday night football going on at this exact second, which I will be watching very, so- very soon. But it looks like our top score of this week is going to be Spiceden. That's right, Spiceden with the Indianapolis Orbacks scored 162 fantasy points off the backs of such players as Dalvin Cook, Chris Carson, DeAndre Hopkins, Kelvin Ridley, and Mark Andrews. Congratulations, Spiceden, for your absolute domination of fantasy football this week. Uh, very excited to see who wins after today's games. Um, and yeah, stay tuned. Go on the sports channel of the Discord. We talk about that a lot. It's a lot of fun. All right. Last thing I'm going to say, my friends. We, at the time of recording, let me pull it up, are very close to our next Patreon goal, which I might remind mm-hmm. you is Corey Helton. Dr. Corey Helton, when he gets back from his sabbatical reading I Jedi, we are $18 away from that. Uh, so if you're just listening and you feel like, eh, I got a couple bucks, find us on patreon.com slash Utini. Before we get out of here, Meg, can you please give us a couple new updates on what's happening with Project Stardust that people can look out for? I can. Uh, we're about to publish two articles, actually. Um, <laughs> we're, we are, um, uh, we interviewed Maggie uh, about your fundraiser um so Yay! that will be up nice. at some point it it's already up when you're listening to this so yeah. there you it's go it's up now <laughs> yes. it's over it's um up. yeah and then we ooh, this is fun uh we have a piece on uh gina carano and uh things going up fun <laughs> also will be up by the time that you're listening so yay we're writing things it's fun come uh Check out our Twitter for all the things. Yay. Yay. Awesome. Well, oh, so much great Star Wars awesomeness. Uh, everyone, one final thing that we want to say. Uh, thank you for joining us in this audio-only podcast. We are taking next week off completely. Uh, Corey, uh, or uh, this show, to be clear. Uh, we will still have Legends Look Back. will still be going. There will be game nights. There will be Utini content. Uh, but The Living Force is taking, I believe, our first ever week off. Uh, we have been coming out with weekly episodes uh, 77 weeks in a row. And we're going to take uh, we're taking one week to regroup, refresh. Um, and on that note, we want to just say that if, if you are having a particularly tough time, if, if, if life's getting busy for you like it is for the doctors, myself, some other people, it's okay to take a step back now mm-hmm. and then. Refresh, get some sleep, drink some water. Um it's be- all right. I so definitely we'll- believe in those last two things, sleeping and yes. drinking water. <laughs> My gosh, it is revolutionary. But <laughs> we will be taking next week off. Um, again, though, if you go to utini.com slash discord, if you want to hang out and chat, we're, we'll be around. Uh, we'll still be publishing stuff over on the YouTube channel. Um, but two weeks uh, from now, I suppose, from time of recording, we will be back on Monday, September vamp, 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 28th. 
um, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where I do believe Meg will be back in a different capacity okay. as a creator of Project Stardust. Uh, where we're talking all about that site, and God only knows what kind of Star Wars will be happening between now and then. Mm-hmm. So we will see you then, my friends, and that will do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. Um, again, last couple links, utini.com slash discord, utini.com slash Patreon. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council, and Kyle Hickman and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support of this show and everything Utini. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Eric Eilerson. Wes is at Boss Wes. Meg is at, is it just at Meg Dowell, right? It is. At Meg Dowell. Uh, we are at Living Force Pod. Corey and Charles are at Doc Star Wars MD and at C. Hankel. A special thank you, as always, though, to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer, and Wes, our host, our man, our producer, our community manager, our hat-wearing game master. (laughs) Thank you to Wes and Meg for podcasting with me tonight, and as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.